Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, I am sitting here with one of my most favorite people in the whole world, and I'll tell you why in a few moments, but his name is Stephen Epstein. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks We're for having me, Tina. Sitting here after we did a Paul Mitchell School Summit, which is really awesome. And a little bit about Stephen Epstein is he's a certified educator in personal finance and has worked closely with the Charles Schwab Foundation for Financial Literacy. He has appeared as a guest on the Gene Chatsky Show, Oprah's Money Expert. Yep, you heard it right, Oprah. And has hosted a nationally syndicated radio show teaching Americans how to get out of debt. Epstein is the founder and creator of Dollar Camp, a company that helps trade school owners provide industry-specific money management training to young adults. Dollar Camp has created a financial education program specifically for the beauty and cosmetology industry. Stephen runs a private equity firm that develops real estate in Nashville. But Stephen, to get there, I know that you had to go through a lot of transformation to get to where you are today, just like I have, just like many of the people that I've been interviewing. And it's so cool because I, I love your story that you have in this. This podcast is called The B-Series, and it's untold stories of leadership transformation. So I know we're going to uncover a few things here because I know it hasn't been easy to get where you are. Tell, tell us your journey to get where you are today. Yeah, so... Thank you for having me on the show, Tina. And, you know, I think an entrepreneur's journey to success is more a personal transformation journey than it is anything else. If you think that you can go from being yourself today where you stand to a successful business owner without totally reinventing yourself, I think you got another thing coming. Uh, so, you know, the journey from where you are today to where you want to be, if it's if it's you know five times better than what you want so let's say you you know you make fifty thousand dollars a year and you you know are unsatisfied and unfulfilled and you want to be five times happier and you want to make five times as much money and have five times more impact well guess what you're gonna have to grow and change five times (laughs) and 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 5x 5x I mean so if you want to ten times your 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 growth, which is a common thing that Grant Cardone mm-hmm. and all these people are talking about these days, is 10x. Yeah. You better be prepared to improve yourself 10x because it ain't going to happen any other way. Oh my gosh, but your story is crazy. It, it's a very typical American dream. You you graduated from USC, which is everyone's dream to get into that school. Well, and, first and of all, how did you get in I there? I didn't bribe my way in. <laughs> how did you get there? Pure I just grades? worked. Yeah, I worked hard. Yeah. Um, I I was a good student. I had very supportive, helpful parents who, you know, I mean, I had. Yeah. I was born with every advantage you could possibly have. Loving parents, um, born in America you know, loving, supportive family, great education. I mean, it's all you can ask for. But wait a minute. So you grew up in this advantage, but you don't always see that happen with people that are advantaged. Oh, totally. So because they just, you know, they think, well, I can just, my parents can help me get in. Yeah. I don't have to work hard. But what was that transformational moment for you, Stephen? Because there had to be a moment as a young man to say, you know what, I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and work it's what happened it's funny that you say that tina actually there's something that happened when i was in the first grade that Mm. was the first major transformational experience Mm -hmm. of my entire lifetime there were several key ones that happened after that but i almost flunked out of first grade wow uh, which you know sounds kind of silly like what'd you do like not paint the you know paint within the lines no but i mean i went to a private school and and they took education very seriously and i I grew up speaking French before I spoke English because my mom's French, and at home um, we had a French babysitter. And so I, for the first three and a half years of my life, I didn't really speak any English, which is funny because oh I grew up gosh. in San Francisco. But wow. anyway, the point is I had difficulty learning in, um, in, in the first grade in kindergarten and second grade, and uh, they labeled me ADD, ADHD, and they put me on Ritalin, and 
you know, it really wasn't a very positive experience, but I made the best of it. I made it um, a conscious decision at the end of first grade when they told me that I was going to have to repeat first grade again. Uh, and they gave me an alternative. They gave me an option. They said, either you repeat first grade again or you spend all summer working with tutors to get caught up and mm. make up kind of like the, you know, mm-hmm. get caught up. Because I was, I was really, fall, I'd really fallen behind. So basically I worked, I sacrificed my entire summer as a eight-year-old to basically do math and English. You never forgot it. And yeah. it was the most transformational experience of my life because I worked my butt off just to, just to, just to pass first grade. What but, do you think was going through your mind? At well, that moment, I didn't want to be to left behind. Didn't want to be left behind. I, yeah. And 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 you know, I had a really nasty teacher in the first grade who said I was stupid and that I was, you know, dumb and couldn't learn. And I wanted to prove her wrong. And I knew that I had to make a decision there of either getting left behind and kind of being humiliated or mm-hmm. toughening up and and working hard. And so that mm-hmm. summer is really when I learned. My work ethic as an eight-year-old. As funny as that sounds. No. But so I won. I won most improved student of the school award in third grade because my grades went from basically Fs to, to A's and B's in the third grade over the next two years working with tutors, and uh, and I, at ten years old, decided I didn't want to take Ritalin anymore because it was negatively affecting me. It was making me depressed and it was mm-hmm. uh, cutting my appetite and stuff. And it's, it's really not a good idea to give it kids Ritalin uh, but anyway the point is that uh, it was a very transformational thing and, and and in third grade when I won that award it was the most important thing that had ever happened yeah. to me by far and it, and mm-hmm. it instilled within me a work ethic which you know 15 years later 20 years later as an entrepreneur I had to then tap into um, so you know kind of a, a random funny little thing that doesn't seem maybe so important in the scheme of things, but it really shaped my character. Yeah, 100%. I believe that whatever happens to us when we're younger is what affects us when we're older. It can, And you have a choice to make to either dwell in that, you know, as Wynn always says, bitter or better, and you Mm -hmm. chose better. What do you think helped you to choose better throughout your life too, Stephen? Because I know that you have made a lot of great choices in your life, but what do you think made you choose better? Is it people around you that you surrounded yourself with? Did you always hang out with people that leveled leveled you up or did you have people that brought you down? I, I think that, I think that, that's a good question, Tina. I think your parents and your family obviously have an enormous impact on you. What you see growing up, the kinds of people that you hang around with. I mean, I was, again, I told you at the beginning of this that I was fortunate to have a great education. And I think that education is the cornerstone to everything in life. You know, you learn a, a, a financial strategy, you can make more money. You learn how to invest in the stock market, you, you can build your wealth. You learn how to you learn a skill, you can bill for it. Or you learn a trade, like cutting and coloring hair, you can earn a living from it. So everything starts with education. All success, I think, starts from education. So I guess I would just say I had a really supportive family, and I also had, I guess, an innate sense of wanting to do good and wanting to be a good person and to help people. And I think, you know, I think uh, 80% of the people out there share that. And there are some, some bad apples, but... I think 80% of the people out there are good. Yeah. Well, was there a moment in time that caused you to want to do good? Like, what was that transformational moment for you? Was there ever a time that said, wow, okay, I want to go in this direction? Because people make conscious choices. And mm-hmm. I know where someone's listening right now and saying, you know what? I made some conscious choices that weren't good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't have the people around me. I didn't have the parents to support me. Mm-hmm. And so all I saw was bad, and I got attention from that. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I would say, like, in high school, there's a time in everybody's life where you kind of feel a bit aimless and you feel a bit, um, you know, like the straitjacket of conformity is tightening around you and, you know, you don't know what to do, so you rebel and you can get you can get caught up with the wrong people and you can make some bad decisions. And, you know, so, I mean, I think we've all gone through that, you know. and And for me, I think... 
fast forwarding through my high school years, which were not very happy times for me, and in, into my college years, which started to become very happy times for me, um, what always gnawed at me was a sense of purpose and the sense of wanting to contribute and help people. And I found myself at 27 years old, after having graduated from USC and working for other people, making $80,000 a year, 27 years old, single, you know, not a care in the world, uh, on a great career path. And I was totally and utterly unfulfilled. And by every stretch of the imagination, I, I lived in San Francisco. I had a cool apartment. I had a, a convertible. I you know, got to go on cool vacations. I worked for a great company. I was in finance. I was making good money. I mean, I quote unquote had it all, but I felt totally empty. So let, let's back up there because that's that's really interesting because that doesn't happen to too many people. I mean, I, I watch so many people in my life alone that just settle into that good job. So you're a financial analyst mm -hmm. making eighty thousand a year. This is what two thousand seven. Yep. You're making eighty thousand a year. That was huge money back then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you're you're looking at that and you're thinking, no, I'm unfulfilled. What what caused that unsettle in you? What was that transformational moment? I think that I think that I was on vacation in Mexico on a kite surfing adventure on a beach really outside of civilization. It was like a very very rustic kite surfing windsurfing destination and there's barely like electricity and running water in, in this area. And it was just a cool experience and it really showed me I think I mean, I went there to kite surf, not to be away from civilization. But, yeah. <laughs> but being away from civilization, I sort of realized, God, this stuff is just so unimportant. You know, the, the more cars, more girls, more, you know, vacations and money and stuff. and stuff is just so unimportant. And, you know, I just had a bit of a quarter-life crisis at that point where I felt like if I don't do something meaningful with my life, I'm going to be 40 years old. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm going to buy a Ferrari and I'm going to, you know, get divorced from my wife and like, mm -hmm. you know, run off yeah. with my secretary or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt yeah. like I saw, I saw the rest of my life and unfolding before me. And I was like, that's not what I want. I want to have contributed to the well-being and happiness of other people. And so at that particular moment when I was like, I can't just continue down this path of just this selfish existence is when I had the idea of like, okay, well, what mm -hmm. could I do? What, how could I help people? What do I have to contribute to the world? What do I have to say that could be of value? Because I can't, you know, there's a lot of things I can't do, but what can I do? I can, I can uh, teach people about money because it's a subject that I, I know a little bit about. And um, I decided to start Dollar Camp, which you know, it's a long story of sort of how I found my way into the beauty industry, working with Paul Mitchell schools and, and speaking and coaching and training. But, you know, it was a very difficult entrepreneurial journey because you, you leave the comfort zone of the safety net of a successful job where all you have to do is show up and do a good job and you won't get fired. And, you know, I, I quit my job and started my own company in 2000, late 2007, early 2008, at the beginning of the largest financial crisis of the last you know, 75 years. So you quit your job, this recession is going on, so tell me what was going through your mind and what was your family thinking? <laughs> You're 27, 28 years old, right? Well, I, th I threw away a great career in real estate, very secure, very potentially lucrative. Um, you know, my parents were supportive, they were skeptical, but they saw my commitment level, so they were like, oh, cool, well, you know, and I had some money saved, mm -hmm. I had about $70,000 put aside and I burned through that money like Sherman through Georgia. I mean, I <laughs> literally spent it in like four months trying to get this company off the ground. And at the end of that, I was How like, much was it back then? How much money? That's, I spent all of it. 70 grand. 70 grand. That's yeah, all you had. Four months. I then spent everything. Nothing left. Then I had nothing. And, wow. and of course I didn't know what it really meant to be an entrepreneur. I didn't realize that I had to like change my lifestyle from making $80,000 a year and what that means in terms of going out and, and going to bars and, 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 and going on trips and going out to dinner. And I mean, I had gotten used to that lifestyle and I didn't realize that I literally had to, when I was starting my entrepreneurial career, like cut everything down to the absolute bare essentials. Wow. You know, and not, I shouldn't have, I wouldn't have necessarily had to go and like live off of mac and cheese, but I should have been prudent. 
And it, it didn't even occur to me that that was necessary because that's how little I knew about what it meant to be an entrepreneur. I mean, you hear people are like, oh, I'm bootstrapping it. But I was like, well, I got, I got 70 grand in the bank. This will last a long time. This will last Gone. a year, right? Because yeah. that's how much I made a year. Well, mm-hmm. between all the startup costs and everything. So long story short, I, I, I had to borrow some money from my parents after I spent everything I had. I burned through that money in another three months. Mm-hmm. They lent me 50 grand. I burned through all of that in about another three or four months. Wow. And then I was you know, up that creek with no paddle, having to figure out how to make it work. And, and fortunately, I connected up with a guy, and we did a radio show, and we ended up growing his company from $600,000 a year to $6 million a year in 10 months. By, How did you do that, first well, of all? Well, we worked really that. hard. We, That's quite we, a story. We, yeah, it's, it's a long story, but the gist of it was the financial crisis was happening. We saw an opportunity to, to coach people and help people get out of debt yeah. and, and turn their lives around, and we did a really great thing. And the program caught on like wildfire, but um, uh, the greed and sort of ego of my partner got in the way of, of continuing to make that success, and it sort of spiraled out of control. It grew too fast. Mm-hmm. The quality dissolved and disappeared, and and I learned something very important there. At that, at that, in that experience, in that ten months, was number one, hard work pays off, and number two, people, um, people, money brings out people's true character, and if yes. you, if you. Yes see somebody go from making $100,000 a year to a million dollars a year, their true personality is going to come out. And, it's, and the faster that the money comes, the faster their true personality comes out. If that takes them 10 years to, to go from $100,000 a year to a million a year, it's going to take 10 years for that personality to come out. If it happens in eight months, boy, you're going to see a very fast transformation in that individual. Wow. And for some people, it's very positive. But for a lot of people, it's not. And yeah. it's not that money ruined him. It's that money just brought out who he was. Yeah. Money, money emboldens people. It makes them more confident. It makes them m- more uh, exaggerated versions of themselves. Yeah, you know, that's, that's so true. You see eccentric <laughs> billionaires, and they, mm-hmm. they can indulge every eccentricity that they have because they have money. How did that not happen to you? What was that transformational moment? Well, I didn't make I didn't make that, that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I made a little. I, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't make millions. I, I walked away with a little bit of money in my pocket, uh, but I got out before the whole the whole thing kind of came crashing down. Before it collapsed. You know, right in time. Yeah, I mean for mm-hmm. me, I think I had those were very those was a very difficult three years for me um, up to that point. Trying to make my company Dollar Camp work and failing, making this this radio show and coaching program work and then seeing it all collapse within the matter of a couple months. It was very tough. So, I mean, that was very humbling for me. Um, and that showed me that it gave me a taste of success that I could do it on my own. Um, and that I could be a successful entrepreneur, but it sort of got snatched away from me pretty quickly (laughs) before I could really fully enjoy it. So, I'm not, I'm not a saint. I've, I've, I've done things I regret, but I, I uh, continue to always try to do better mm-hmm. and be a better person and do better and, and have a better, stronger impact on, on the people around me. So, I mean, I think that, you know, success is forged in, you know, battle. It, Ooh, it's, success it, is it, forged in battle. Yeah. That's good. And I love that uh, because an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur, right? And, and so as you think about uh, salon owners in particular, because I coach salon owners, and I watch so many of them do so well behind the chair, Stephen, they'll be making $200,000 behind the chair, and then they'll say, oh, I think I'll own a salon because I can run a business behind the chair. No, it's two different hats. And, and so that's why we started the six-month uh, six month course. It's on business and leadership. And that's why I wanted to bring you on, Stephen, because – Business is business. I don't care what business you're in. And being an entrepreneur is hard, hard work. And when I heard you, what made me fall in love with your message was when you did an interview with Wynn Claybaugh. And you really kept it simple because I am a money spender, okay? (laughs) Someone that's listening to this right now will say, yes, I love to spend money. I don't like to hear budget. 
right? That mm -hmm. word budget, but you got rid of that word, which I thought was so awesome. And then you started saying, why don't you do an envelope system? You kept it super simple when you did this interview. And I thought, oh, we need him in the Paul Mitchell schools in the worst of ways, because I would watch my staff. I would watch my students across the nation squander their money away and they wouldn't have a budget to spend and I had to I had to have someone hold me accountable Stephen in my company and it's Sean Chido and I he would be like no you can't spend money on candles you know you know we don't have that money on candles like just that little bit makes a big difference and so talk to that person right now your keys to success when it comes to business to be have a healthy mindset because I believe you have to have a healthy mindset to be wealthy. Totally. So so there's one fundamental point that I'd make before I'll go into these 10 things you need to do to be successful. And the fundamental point is, number one, there is no work-life balance. Yes. There are work-life choices mm -hmm. and they have consequences. Jack Welch said that, the CEO Perfect. of, of uh, G, GM, GE, right? Yeah, GE. So the point is, you're not going to get to success as an entrepreneur without sacrifice, period. It just isn't going to happen. Not as an entrepreneur. As a right. salesperson working in an organization, as a hairdresser working behind the, the chair, all you have to do is work hard. The sacrifice piece may or may not happen. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, there are going to be sacrifices. And in, what does that mean in, to you, to in sacrifice? 90, in 99%, in 90% of the cases, that's true. Not yeah. one for one. Some people get lucky. Some people hit success right out of the gate being an entrepreneur. But the overwhelming majority of entrepreneurs have lots and lots and lots of battle scars. Yeah. And it's years and years before they have any semblance, any, any resemblance of work-life balance. I mean, right now, Tina, the economy's booming. I've been working... 12 hours a day, seven days a week for, for 11 months because we had an opportunity to start a private equity fund, meaning to, to raise money and invest in real estate projects in Nashville. And I took that opportunity, and it's been an incredible, enormous amount of work. So what have I given up? I've given up friends, mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to go on vacation. I've given up um, going out to dinner, I've given up time with my wife. I've given we don't have any kids, so I didn't have to sacrifice that. Um, I've given up my sanity yeah. <laughs> because the the amount of stress that mm -hmm. you go endure when you take a big leap forward is enormous. You know, you got to put you got to put it all on the line sometimes. So, so so you know, you sacrifice sleep and your mental and, and your mental health a little bit sometimes. Yeah. The reason you're exhausted is because you're off purpose. Yeah. Or, or you've tried to achieve a purpose and you've failed. Yeah. So rekindle the purpose. Yeah. Pour the coals on your purpose and you will not be so exhausted. But you have to keep a, a positive mental attitude. And the only way to do that is to feed yourself a steady diet of positive things and, and not watch the news. Clearly, if you're yeah. watching CNN and Fox, you're, you're, it's you're, over. You're, it's over. <laughs> It's over. <laughs> you you're you're to going to be unhappy. You have to give a steady diet when you're an entrepreneur. That is powerful because I, I coach so many salon owners, and they're just so busy working on their, in their business that they're not even thinking about working on their business. Talk to them right now. Like really get them a taste of this because they'll say to me, Tina, I don't read. I don't have time to read. When I'm in the car, I'm so exhausted. I just turn the music on. Talk to them right now. Why do they need to feed themselves a steady diet? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to make it. You're just not going to push through, yeah. through through the barriers if you don't have a steady stream of, of things that are going to make you have a positive outlook. I mean, there's so many things to be depressed about when you're an entrepreneur. Things mm -hmm. aren't going your way. People quit. Clients say no. Um, you run out of money. Things cost longer. Things things cost longer. Things take cost more and take yes. longer, and both. so and both. You know, so cost longer. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. But so number one, no work life balance. Forget about it. Forget it's about the law it. of sacrifice. Until period. You, until you've okay. achieved a baseline of success, forget about work life balance. If Just you if you want if you want work life balance, go get a nine to five. Yeah, that's an, that's the definition work of work life somebody. balance. Yeah, yeah, but you're not going to achieve it until you know you're 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years into being an entrepreneur. And even then, you may have work-life balance for a year or two, and then you're going to say, wait a second, I'm bored, I'm complacent, I've plateaued, and you know what? I'm addicted to the game. I want to get in there and see what yeah. I can do, and I want to expand, and I want to increase my impact. I want to improve my message. I want to broaden my sphere of influence. I want to help more people. I want to employ more people. I want to grow my my organization. I want to increase my income so I can give more to charity and give back. And I mean, it's yeah. An, entre- an entrepreneur has to be, you know, committed to never-ending improvement and never-ending growth. And and once you go down that path, it, it frankly, I don't think it ever ends. But it's different than being on the path of more money, more stuff. You know, right. it, m- like more vacations, more restaurants, more cars, more clothes, more houses. That's a different path. I'm not talking about that path. I'm talking about the path toward the fulfillment and augmentation, which means increasing of your purpose. Perfect. You never achieve your purpose. You achieve one layer of the onion of your purpose, and then you unfold the next layer and the next layer and the next layer, and you're Mm -hmm. simultaneously going deeper and deeper and deeper towards your real core purpose and expanding as an individual. And and I think that that's the magic of entrepreneurship is the amount of personal growth that it enables. There's no other activity that you can do on the planet that will push you and force you to grow as much as starting a business and getting your dream off the ground. Yeah, and what about that person that is working for somebody right now but wants to start a business? What do you recommend to them? Because I know many times I've sat with people like, just don't quit your day job right now. Like, just start a little side gig. Start a little side gig. That way you're not, you know, all that pressure. Because you, you you jump ship, you know. Big which mistake. Is, big mistake? I should okay. have, yeah, I should have kept okay. my job. And mm-hmm. I should have gotten home and worked from 7 p.m. until midnight every day. And on the weekends, yeah. I could have put in 40 hours a week um, for a year to yeah. get my concept off the ground. And eventually I would have had to quit my job, but it might have been six months or 12 months later, but I would have, I would have gotten to the same place probably quicker with less stress and heartache with the same eventual benefit to me. So I, I, I agree. I don't think you necessarily mm-hmm. have to quit your job unless you're already working 60, 70 hours a week. But, you know, an entrepreneur is somebody who works 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week for years. Yeah. And, and, you know, most people can't do that. They're not willing to do that. They don't have the, the mental, you know, attitude to do that. So, you know, I think, um, and I do want to get to these 10 things that you need in order to be successful, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, you got to take the good with the bad when it comes to being an entrepreneur. But, you know, in the balance of things, I would never trade it for anything because the person I am today is is someone that I'm very proud of being. And this podcast is about being. Right. So if you want to be and really achieve your potential and fulfill your potential, you have to have big goals. And you have to be willing to work really hard and sacrifice for those big goals to get to become the person that you want to be. Perfectly said. So what's number two? Okay, so so let's start with the actual 10. uh, So the top 10 things you need to be Mm -hmm. successful, number 10 is being organized. I'm starting with the least important and going to the most. most. To me, that's the most important, but they're all going to be the most important. (laughs) They're all super important. Be organized. You have to be organized. To be successful, you got to know where the paperwork is. You got to know where your your records are. You have to know where your tools are. You have to you have to have your stuff together. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't, if you're a hot mess. You're just, it's just not going to happen. I love that you said that because I'm not such an organized person and my staff knows don't give Tina anything important. So guess what? I delegate all that out and I have a team of people that take care of all my finances. They take care of all my QuickBooks. I I hired that out because Stephen, quite frankly, I was like, no, I'd rather poke a needle in my eye. You know, you just tell me what I can spend. So I really work for them right instead of them working for me because they tell me how much I can spend and that's how I keep my organization but at the end of the day 
you have organization. You've exactly. achieved the result yeah. by bringing in the people. But at the beginning, yeah. you had to be organized yourself before you could hire and afford people, right? Exactly. So yeah, well, I was a mess, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm glad you've, you've achieved. So that's number ten. What's so, number nine? So being organized is number ten. Number nine is, um, you know, the ability to I think solve problems. Yeah, be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Because you are going to face problems, and obviously, all each one of these ten things we could say is the number one, and you can argue about the yeah. placement of all these things, but. Being a good problem solver is is key to to being successful because life will throw you lemons, and you're gonna make lemonade and then sell it, or yeah. are you gonna complain and cry about it because that's those are the choices. I agree because when you complain, you remain. So, what would be the best advice to that entrepreneur? He's not a real good problem solver. Like, what would you do to become a good problem solver? First thing you have to do is believe that there is a solution. Yeah, if you don't said. believe there's a solution, you're not going to be a good problem solver. But if you have the attitude that there's always a solution, I just haven't found it yet. I just haven't talked to the right person. I haven't gotten the right mentor. I haven't uh, looked at things from the right point of view yet. I haven't been willing to admit that I made a mistake. So many people get themselves into a problem that's unsolvable. Why? Because solving the problem would, they, in order to solve the problem, they'd have to admit that they made a mistake, and they're unwilling to admit they made a mistake. So therefore, the problem remains unsolved. Yeah. And they'd rather, frankly, be right than solve the problem. I agree. So you have to let go of being right, mm-hmm. I think, and you have to be willing to to believe that there is a solution, and and taking mm-hmm. responsibility, mm-hmm. trying to stay above blame and shame mm-hmm. and regret, and really being being a problem solver and looking at it from a positive point of view. So I agree. So number eight is um, the ability to control your spending. And, okay. And be in t- control of your spending. Yeah. You can't be a successful entrepreneur if your spending is out of control, period. I mean, you How just... How do you do that? How do you get control of your spending? Get clear about your goals. Yeah. And, Perfect. And really, you have to tell yourself, is going on this trip, is buying this this purse or bag or or clothes or watch or shoes or dinner or you know tickets to this event more important than me getting you know five percent closer to my dream two percent closer to my dream one percent closer to my dream you know i've often said people who have difficulty shopping and they go into retail therapy and and they just they just have a problem with with shopping and they can't control their spending. Do you know why they can't control their spending? Because there's actually nothing in the world that they want more than that pair of shoes. Mm. Factually. Yes. Which is pathetic. That is pathetic. It's totally pathetic. It's like the only thing in the world you want is that pair of shoes. That's what does that say about your goals? What does that say about your dreams? What does that say about your ambitions? What does that say about your, your future? So, any, anybody who walks by you know, something and they can't control their spending, it's not a question of their spending and controlling their spending and their knowledge of finance. It's a question of priorities. Their priorities yeah. are way out of line. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a function of getting more clear on your goals and, and, your, and what you want to achieve. So yeah. number seven, what do you got? So number seven is financial knowledge. So I'm talking about credit scores. Be knowledgeable. Yeah, being knowledgeable about the financial world that you live in. So how do credit cards work? How, do, how does credit score work? How does getting a lease work if you want to open up your own salon? How does, I mean, you know, how does budgeting work? Like, you have to have, you live in a financial world. So financial knowledge is like your toolbox for, for success and for, for survival. And, you know, I see so many hairdressers, for example, let's just pick, pick an industry that we're both really familiar with, who are amazing technicians. Mm-hmm. They're great at cutting. They're great at color. They're great at chemical treatments and all this. They are masters of their craft. Mm-hmm. But they don't know anything about how to manage their finances. And the result is they are one-tenth of successful as, mm-hmm. as they could be. And you yes. could take somebody with less, 
less talent, less creativity, less artistic genius, less just everything on the technical mm-hmm. side, but who's maybe decent at managing their expenses and decent at understanding QuickBooks and, and, mm-hmm. and how to put together a profit and loss statement, which shows all their income, which is the profit and, and, and the loss, which is the, all their expenses. And, you know, it just, it shows you mm-hmm. like people who understand this stuff are far more successful than anyone else. And you look, look on this planet of who makes the most amount of money. And besides actors and entertainers, including sports, sports people and people in film and TV and Hollywood and stuff, if you just take people in entertainment aside, the majority of the people who make the most amount of money work in finance yep. in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they make the most. You can make it fun. Hire your CPA. Make sure that when you hire your CPA that they explain to you in your language because guess what? You pay them. They don't pay you. Yeah. And that's how you get knowledgeable. And look, and you know, Dollar Camp, our financial literacy program, was created to make to make personal finances understandable for anyone who who has doesn't necessarily have a finance background or a numbers background or who maybe failed math in high school or mm-hmm. was terrible at math. I mean, it's not a question of math. It's if you can yeah. add, if you can subtract, if you can multiply and divide on your phone, yeah. you can do everything you'll ever need to do to yeah. be a multimillionaire. Period. Your program is so fun because you make it so fun and so user friendly and that's why I love the Dollar Camp program. Well thanks as well Tina. too. So that's number seven. What's number six? So after financial knowledge, number six is strong promotional skills. Okay. You have to learn how to promote yourself. Be a promoter. You have to learn how to be outgoing. Even if it doesn't come naturally to you, even if you're not allowed, you don't have to be loud and obnoxious mm-hmm. and be like, look at me, look at me. But you do have to go out there and you have to make yourself known. Mm-hmm. And you have to get in front of people and you have to promote, promote, promote. And in today's, you know, in today's society, social media is like probably the number one channel for promoting yourself. You know, there's there's billions. But it's not enough. There's billions of people on on Facebook, and it's great mm-hmm. to do that. But mm-hmm. there's so much competition for mm-hmm. look at me, look at me, look at me. So you have to have something to say. So being a good promoter is also having good promotional skills is also having something to say when you go out there and um, being an expert at something. You know, I would I would that's good encourage you to promote a specific thing. So good promotional skills means promoting yourself as an expert, yeah. becoming an expert. Because if you promote yourself as a generalist, nobody's interested. You're just, you're just like everybody else. If you are the queen mm-hmm. of, of you know, doing uh, bridal wedding right. you know, prep. Balayage, makeup. Balayage, yeah. any, anything. Any, anything. Yeah. You will get known for that. And it's yeah. branding yourself and promoting yourself as an expert at one particular service. And you know what? You don't have to pigeonhole yourself, meaning lock yourself into just that right. one thing forever. Mm-hmm. You can then go out and become an expert in something else. Like, um, you know, I keep talking about Grant Cardone, but Grant's a perfect example. He started off as a sales expert, became extremely successful in that, branched out, established himself as a real estate investing expert has become very successful at that, has gone out and, you know, also now branding himself as a pers- as a, uh, uh, a coach for entrepreneurs. So he's an yeah. expert in three fields, mm-hmm. but he appeals to different groups in each of those mm-hmm. three fields. So I think we can all do that for whatever it is that we want to market or sell, but you have to brand yourself. We live in a world of Experts yeah. and experts get mm-hmm. paid. A heart surgeon makes you know five or ten times as much money as a as a local doctor, and yeah. you know uh, a certain kind of dentist that um, you know orthodontist I guess works with braces and things like that make mm-hmm. you know five times as much. Mm-hmm. You know the people who straighten teeth, orthodontists, mm-hmm. they make five times as much as just a general dentist who does a filling specialize in it they make more money and that's so powerful because i would say probably the number one challenge our salon owners uh, that hire our students even is the fact that they're so frustrated because they can't they don't know how to talk 
to people. But I can tell you, you're so right because I've had I've hired on some people. They're super shy, but man, do they ever come alive in their specialty? Yeah. You know, they come alive. And so I agree with you. So talk to that person right now that says, "No, I'm so shy. I don't know how to talk to people." How do they get? into that specialty how do they and we know they got to stick their nose to the grindstone and work hard in that area but what's some best advice you have to become an expert in an area first thing you do is decide what area you're going to be an expert in second thing you do is tell everyone you're an expert yeah every expert starts off as a self-proclaimed expert Mm -hmm. i was the student money expert before right when i started dollar camp 10 11 years ago. I mean, you just decide that that's where you're going to post your expertise. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon you say it enough times, you say it enough times, you say it enough times, it becomes true. Yeah. So I think you just have to decide what it is you're going to be an expert in and start saying it. And obviously you're going to have to learn about that expertise and research that area and become the expert. But, you know, you first have to just start saying that you're the expert and decide it. It starts with the decision yeah. <laughs> before everything else. Perfect. So, What's number five? So next is um, sales skills. I would say that um, becoming good at sales is, is critical. There's lots of people. Be a salesperson. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't mean a cheesy, you know, salespeople yeah. have a bad rap, but a, a, all that a salesperson is is someone who can communicate um, value and communicate about value and, and can convince someone that they're making a good decision. Yeah. If you can, Tina, if you can convince me that I'm making a good decision and get rid of all my fear and all my doubts, you're a good salesperson. Right. It's not about pushing me into doing something I don't want to do. It's about, you know, all we want to do when we buy something is be reassured that we're making a good yeah. decision. You're just educating And educating, of course. In your area of expertise. Yeah, of That's course. all it is. So it's, it's okay. you know, being, being good at sales, we could do a whole podcast on, mm-hmm. you know, that's a subject for another matter. But the point is, develop that skill. It's, you know, selling people on your dream, selling your clients on using you, selling your stylist on sticking with you, you know, selling your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend or partner on supporting your entrepreneurial dream. I mean, you are successful in life to the degree that you can close others on your vision. I agree. And, and, you know, we talk about this all the time with our team and with salon owners, and it it really is about being passionate about something. So I think it goes back to being a promoter. If you're so passionate, so easy to sell because you're just educating about what you're passionate about, period. That's all it is. So I think that's in line for sure. And some of the best salespeople are very low-key. And they're very calm. They're not Mm -hmm. loud and obnoxious. They're, you know, very assuring Mm -hmm. and calming. Agreed. So you don't have... It's not about being a certain personality type. It's Mm -hmm. about do you educate people? Do you make them feel confident in the decision Mm -hmm. that they're making? Do you genuinely help them get the thing that they want and need? And if you do all three things, you're a good salesperson. Perfect. And you're going to get a good result. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Yeah. But there is, there is a lot of studying and education that goes into becoming a good salesperson. So I would highly recommend you, you know, take the time to learn because it's yeah. not hard, but it takes practice. Yeah. Um, number four is having clear goals. All right. So, so Tina, be clear you, about your goals. Yeah. Tina, you talk all the time about goal setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, visioning, envisioning your future, visualizing success, mm-hmm. visualizing the outcome that you want. You know, you should you should write down your goals every morning. Spend the first little part of your day, maybe even 15, 20 minutes, just getting really clear on what it is that you want to achieve that day and where it is that you're going. Yeah. So I don't think we need to... Yeah. I love that. You know, it's funny. Um, something I just uh, told my staff to do recently... Um, was to make a list of your fears of what you're afraid to do and make that your to-do list every single day. You know, sitting down and saying, okay, I'm, I'm afraid to sell today, but that's I'm going to do that today, right? I'm afraid to sell some product today, but that's what I'm going to do. So just like really sit down and be super clear. What are you afraid of? And that's what you should do next. I like so it. I love that. It's probably to get closer to your goal, it's right? Prob- probably some, some good, good truth in that. 
All right, what's number three? So number three is surrounding yourself with the right people. Okay. So all I can say is that there's people who contribute to you and your life, Mm. and there's people who take. Yeah. And one taker or one person who wants to see you fail or who's jealous or who's unsupportive is can undo 10 cheerleaders who are super oh, wow. super supportive yeah. and super helpful. Agreed. One rotten apple spoils the bunch. So what do you do with those people in your life? You get rid of them. How do you get rid of them? You have to be ruthless. It be do- ruthless. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you... The, the, the more success you have, the more people are going to come out of the woodwork. Yes. And the more people are going to make you feel bad for some of the success you're having. Yeah. And it's a, it's a reason that a lot of people stay unsuccessful because they're, they're scared. Because it's of, lonely. Yeah. yeah. Well, eagles fly alone. Yeah. But, <laughs> That's true. What's number two? <laughs> number two, the, the second most important thing you need in order to be successful is toughness. Be tough. Be tough. That's good. So... And tough is not mean. No. Tough is nice. No. But yeah. tough is tough. Tough is knowing where to draw the line and holding firm. And, and, and be tough about setting a good example and not tolerating lateness. Because if you tolerate lateness, mm-hmm. then what are you going to get? You're going to get lateness. If you, if, you, mm-hmm. if you reward people being on time, you can't just punish bad stuff. You have to reward the good stuff too. Right. Be yeah. tough with a smile on your face. Perfect. And, and the world, <laughs> I'm telling you, the world is your Yours. oyster. Yes. If you can be tough with a smile on your face, people will love you, people mm-hmm. will respect you, they'll admire you, and they'll do what you say. Amen. What's number one? Number one, drum roll please. <laughs> yes. You're going to be totally shocked at what the number one <laughs> thing for success is. Hard work. Yeah. There's no substitute for hard work ask any entrepreneur 95 percent of entrepreneurs have worked their tails off for for five six Mm -hmm. seven eight ten twenty thirty fifty years to get to the success that they have and so you know you have to do some soul searching before you become an entrepreneur and really ask yourself how hard am i willing to work for it because there's a lot of people who become entrepreneurs who honestly have no business being entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because they are not willing to put in the work and the sacrifice and you got to go into it eyes wide open. And you know, a lot of times if you knew how hard it was going to be, you would have never done it. So so there is some advantage. <laughs> I hear that a lot to, from a lot of business to owners. Being, yeah, if, if, you, mm-hmm. if I knew how hard it was going to be to get Dollar Camp off the ground and the amount of sacrifice that I was going to have to go through and the pain and suffering, I would not have done it. Mm-hmm. However, looking back from where I am today and, what I've, and how I've grown, and although that experience was among the most difficult experiences of my life, becoming an entrepreneur, trying to make a business work, dealing with you know, all kinds of problems that we haven't even gone into, that 10 out of 10 times I would do that over again. Mm-hmm. Every single... Now, I would do things differently and it, you know, it's possible that I could save myself some time if I had to do it all over again. I'd mm-hmm. be wiser mm-hmm. and it wouldn't take me so long or be quite so difficult, but I would go through and make that decision again. And I think any successful entrepreneur will know that despite the battle scars that they have, despite the hardship, despite the suffering and the pain and the tears along the way, if they stay committed to their to their dream and if they maintain their integrity and they don't stab people in the back and they act like a good person and they take the high road I think Mm. you'll come out the other end of that the person that you've always wanted to be and that is the name of the podcast to be that is powerful Stephen you are absolutely amazing exactly what I thought this podcast was going to be 
So, so Stephen, um, as we end this out, um, is this dollar camp program, because I believe when you said we want to improve the world around us in order to do that, we have to improve the people around us. And I'm always trying to think as a business owner, how can I improve my people? How can I add value to my people that work with us? And I think one of the best ways is this dollar camp curriculum. And that's why we have all of our students take this course, because I know if they have a wealthy mindset, right, they're going to be healthy. And so think about this. Is this something that a salon owner could purchase for their team, the dollar camp curriculum? curriculum is yeah. that something you yeah, recommend they, they could i mean i think the most important thing is is to just set a culture of education and if you have a salon mm-hmm. or a business that you continue to invest in people mm-hmm. and you know you need to invest in their technical skills and you mm-hmm. need to invest in their soft skills so you know you should do um you know my our good friend kelly cardenas who we both love and admire uh, has done a fabulous job building an incredible culture in his salons, and he takes developing and enhancing his people extremely seriously. He invests a lot of time, he invests a lot of money, and it's a, oftentimes a chicken and the egg mm-hmm. thing. It's like, well, I can't afford to develop mm-hmm. my people, but the question is, do you do you develop your people so that you're successful or do you wait till you're successful to develop your people? You have to develop your... It doesn't cost any money to get everybody in on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon after you close or some Monday evening and sit around and say, we're going to share best practices on money management. Everybody here at at the table needs Mm -hmm. to share one thing that they've done, one problem, and we're going to have a little mastermind and we're going to help each other get to the next level and we're going to hold each other accountable with our financial goals or our production goals or our sales goals or our you know service goals this week just and that costs zero so yeah. but not doing it will undermine your success so i think the key is creating a culture of improvement a culture of accountability and a culture of mm-hmm. growth and if you can create that you'll have the kind of success that my really good friend Tina Black has <laughs> with her four salons and three schools and thousands of lives that you've positively impacted. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. How can people get a hold of you, get a hold of your um, program? Yeah, if, if, if you want to take a look, um, dollarcamp.com is, uh, has all our contact information. You're welcome to reach out. Uh, we have some, some great contact at hairdresserblueprint.com. Uh, that's hairdresserblueprint.com. That's a program that we created with Kelly Cardenas all about how to become a $100,000 a year hairdresser. Um, that's a fantastic program that you can buy and you can show to people in your salon um, and give them some real critical, positive, positive uh, you know, inspiration and great tools for improving their lives. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Stephen, so much for being on this podcast. You are just as amazing as I thought you were going to be. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.